Welcome to Gardens and Plants, a podcast about plants and gardening in the Washington, D.C. metro area. I'm Peggy Riccio, a horticulturist in Northern Virginia. My website, pegplant.com, is an online resource for gardeners in the D.C. metro area. I publish a free monthly gardening newsletter called Peg Plants Post. And my name is Terry Spate, owner of cottageinthecourt.com, a website and blog where I share all things beautiful in the garden, from the places I visit highlighting my favorite plants, books I'm reading, and more. I live in Central Maryland. So Terry, what's going on in your garden? Well, Peggy, right now, Jenna has the floor. Jenna is a phlox. And I can't tell you the, the joy of having Jenna in my front yard garden. Jenna is a phlox that grows between three to four feet, sometimes five feet tall. Her flowers are a little smaller than your uh, general phlox. But when I say she attracts butterflies, right now she's competing with my butterfly bush. And there's a butterfly party in the front yard. I go from bees to butterflies. But all of it, the activity brings me joy. I even have a solidago that says, I'm about to show off. I'm about to fluff my skirt and add a touch of gold to this party. So that I'm excited about as well. This is one of the shorter um, solidagos that I got from Mount Cuba. Mount Cuba is somewhere that everyone needs to visit if it's open, when it's open, and when you just want a day away in Delaware. What else is going on? I'm telling you, Shoshito, I'm gonna rename her my little abundant friend. <laughs> my goodness, she is still producing prolifically. I'm scared to give her any food. So I think I won't and kind of slow it down a little bit. Uh, but maybe I will, I'm not sure yet. My other pepper plants are all beginning to produce from my uh, sweet banana peppers, my hot banana peppers, Still waiting for Jimmy Nardello, but it's been kind of hot, so he probably isn't really setting blooms right now. But his leaves are gorgeous. My dwarf tomato plant is definitely producing basil, all-time high. I added some basil and lemonade the other day. It was such a great taste of summer. And pretty much that's about it. That one yellow daylily, though, I've got to take a picture to try to identify it. It is still blooming. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I don't a happening think scene. Memo. A very happening scene. Always a party at the cottage. What's going on in your garden? Well, same thing in my garden. Everything is just blooming, fruiting, uh, happening scene and everything. And uh, the one thing I wanted to tell the listeners is that since the beginning of summer, I've been collecting cardboard. So we have a lot of cardboard because, of course, we're all at home eating from home and we order from Amazon. <laughs> so we get these Amazon boxes and pizza boxes and cereal boxes and TV dinner boxes and everything. I save it all and I'm creating a new garden bed. So there's a um, in the back we have lawn, of course. And after the lawn, people come and cut down the lawn. I put down the cardboard and I'm creating a strip of cardboard and then I cover it with mulch so the cardboard doesn't fly away. And so um, 
So I'm creating a new strip that eventually will be a garden bed next year. And it's my way of kind of handling COVID-19 is I create new garden beds. And I knew I was going to get all this cardboard. So um, now as I empty the containers that I have, like I have potatoes in containers or annuals in containers, and then when I empty them out, I will put that used soil on the mulch. And then I'll also put, if I'm pulling out, um, you know, veggies or plants or everything, not diseased ones, but things that have died back and are, you know, just going to be dead by the end of the season, I put them on top. So it doesn't look pretty, but it's in the backyard. So it's okay. So I'm going to just start layering, you know, the um, dead plant material and then soil and on top of the cardboard and eventually the cardboard will disintegrate. And of course the grass will die. And then in the fall, I'll add the leaves that we get on the trees, you know, and then if I get shredded newspapers, sometimes I have to go in the office, I get shredded newspapers. Or if I had access to manure, I would do that too. But you just keep putting it on top, you know, just put it on top and eventually it all decomposes. And then next spring, I should be able to dig and start planting. And that's where I'm going to have some bushes and trees in the back. Now, I use newspaper the same way. We get three different newspapers at work. And I have a bin that I just keep putting them, putting them in. And that way I have newspaper to layer. I too am doing that because my driveway, I call it my drive lip, part of it is still soil and tree roots. There's a big tree taken down, so the roots are beginning to decompose. And I've been thinking about a way to keep the weeds from coming up. So I, after we had a little chat yesterday, I thought to myself, you know what? It's full sun now. I think what I will do is start layering newspaper and garden debris, newspaper, garden debris, empty soil from the pots. And I too will create a new bed. I can park on the street in front of my house. There's no reason to have this space that obviously the weeds love in front of my house, making the rest of my garden look a little shabby chic. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to just make it a garden bed. Why not, Peggy? Why yeah, not? Well, I mean, garden space is good. Making new garden space is good. It's all a good thing. Yeah. And especially <laughs> after this conversation I was having with my sister yesterday about how I'm taking the black wrought iron fence down and I want a white fence because the white fence will show off the hot and sizzling colors in my garden. Mm -hmm. But my problem was how do I do this white fence around this drive lip? Problem solved. <laughs> Make it more garden. Make it a, put a path through there to take people to the back. Mm -hmm. I put the white fence up. I can plant in front of the fence, behind the fence, and the best part about it, which a lot of people with our wonderful dogs will understand, Precious can come outside and garden with me in the front without a leash. That's true. So that's something for people to think about. If they got that driveway, get rid of the driveway right. so that you can have a fence all around and then your dogs can come out and then you'd have more garden space. Right. Embracing more life in the garden. That's true. Yeah. Things we come up with, right, Peggy? <laughs> so about those seeds, we we're going to talk about yeah. seeds. So last time we talked about how to save uh, the dry method, and this time we'll talk about 
the wet method, which of course is used for the kind of wet slimy seeds like tomatoes. But mm -hmm. for pumpkins and squash and melon, it's sort of like if you were carving a jack-o'-lantern, you simply remove the seeds and you rinse the stringy fruit parts off with water and strain it. And then you just let it dry like on a paper towel. So that's really easy. But for things like um, eggplant or tomatoes or cucumbers, you get the seeds out of the fruit, of course, and you try to get much of the fruit part off. And then you put the seeds in water and stir it around and um, every couple of days check on it. And then you strain to remove the seeds and then um, you let it dry on paper towels or a cookie sheet. Maybe the paper towels might stick, maybe a cookie sheet. And then for tomatoes, it's um, you're doing the same thing. You're you're, you can squeeze that tomato or cut it up and try to extract as much seeds as possible and get rid of that fruit part and then put it in water and um, it will ferment a little bit and it might look a little gross but this process is separating the seeds from the fruity part so the heavy seeds will after a few days the heavy seeds in the water will sink to the bottom and the lighter seeds and pulp will float to the top and so you just skim off and throw away the top layer and you keep the heavy seeds, which have gone to the bottom, because they're the ones that are viable and will germinate again next year. And so uh, you can easily do this with um, the tomatoes, the eggplants, the cucumbers. And then, of course, we're talking about the ones that are either heirlooms or open pollinated. If you did this with your hybrids, you would still get the same type of plant. It just wouldn't have the same characteristics, probably, that it was bred for. Mm -hmm. And about those seeds again, don't always assume that your old seeds won't germinate. I, if you store them properly, cool, dry spot, I even put seeds in the refrigerator. And I say this because two times now, one, a friend had her squash got mildewy, we had talked about planting squash later, like after the 4th of July. Well, she's got, a, definitely has a, just a voluptuous pot of, spot of squash right now that I gifted to her. But also my sister wanted a vine. Those moon vine seeds from mm -hmm. 2013, 2013, it's 2020, that's seven years old. I don't think any of them did not produce a vine. So she, she's going to have a beautiful railing of moon vine because it's now grown out of the pot. Those are so, gorgeous vines. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And if you want to sit outside at night and just be in heaven, plant a moon vine seed. So if you harvest your seeds, save your seeds properly, cool, dry spot, try, like Peggy said, to separate the fruiting, uh, I call it the membrane, save those seeds for next year, especially if it was something that you really enjoyed this year. Well, that's a good tip for listeners. And then let's talk about places we visited. So Terry, where did we go yesterday? <laughs> well, we went into the garden, Peggy. We went to Chanticleer first, and we met up with a garden friend, one of our GardenCom members, uh, Louise Clark, and we didn't plan it, but 
when great gardening minds think alike, we go into the garden. And I want to say something before I share more about Chanticleer. This week, uh, I'm sure many people listened to um, First Lady Michelle Obama's podcast, where she revealed that she was having um, a low-grade uh, depression, if you will, or just having low spirits from time to time. You know what? Honestly, we're all there. Men, women, children, everybody is at this point. We're emotionally tired. But you know what? These, having these feelings, it's the best time ever to go into the garden. The garden is waiting for us. Chanticleer was waiting for us yesterday. In lieu of the normal annuals that they would plant in specific areas, this is one of my favorite gardens. So I kind of know it like the back of my hand. Instead of having gaps, they planted vegetables. What a surprise, a public space being civic-minded, giving back, because they didn't just grow the vegetables to fill space. They also give the vegetables to the community. So where you might see an annual that they started from seed or uh, annuals in abundance to uh, give you that spot of color, because everyone knows in the garden, annuals give you that season long color. They pump it up, they crank it out, and then they fizzle out at the end of the season. But, and that's wonderful because that's food for our brains visual food. But yesterday, the visual food we got was in the form of vegetable plants. Wouldn't you agree, Peggy? That was my favorite part. I like it when they use herbs and vegetables in the landscape. And I saw a lot of salvias, rosemary, and angelica, um, beautiful red flowers of the angelica, which is a tall plant. And like there was an arc of cherry tomatoes with large containers at the base and in the base with the herbs. There's a black eyed pea used as a ground cover. So several, several feet or um, worth of uh, black eyed pea just spread across and that's the ground cover. And you see the peas. You could have picked mm -hmm. the peas if you wanted to. And mm -hmm. then a shallow container of water with dill flowers in it, rose of Sharon flowers and a type of lanisra leaf. So mm -hmm. yeah, they, uh, they, were able to pivot. I mean, it was very, very visionary of them to pivot and think, okay, we're going to do vegetables by seed. And then they have vegetables and herbs all over the place. And then they donated to the local food pantries, which mm -hmm. is just a brilliant way to use the land that they have. It's 35 acres open to the public. And Chanticleer um, is in Wayne, Pennsylvania. And it's open, you can, of course, you have to wear a mask, right? Mm -hmm. But, and they have some kind of a registration system for parking, but you can right. go there and see it. It's just absolutely beautiful, inspiring, just amazing. Many unusual ways to use a plant. Right. And if you follow them on um, Instagram, you'll see how they take your normal uh planter that doesn't have a hole in the bottom or have, should be shallow or a bird bath and they will select blooms from the garden or leaves with wonderful shapes and they will put them in these containers of water talk about 
manna for the eyes. I mean, it's just the creativity found there every year never ceases to amaze me. And the beauty, once again, of things like Angelica, which you can use in cooking, but so you see that bloom and then you see another bloom and then you see an ornamental, it, 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 the diversity there never ceases to amaze me. I'm in love with Shanna Clear. I am too. Uh, I, I think <laughs> that you would be. <laughs> that was my first time there and I'm in love with it and I want to go back and you can see how when you go back, it's open from April to October, but when you go back, I bet you in every single month, there'll be something new and gorgeous and the fall, it must be absolutely gorgeous too. Yeah. Well, you know, Pennsylvania is to me, I mean, the soil is perfect. <laughs> The climate to me is perfect. They can grow just about anything. And every season, you could go to that Brandywine Valley area and just get emotionally full from the horticultural gifts that it presents. That's just about anywhere you go, but it's something about that Brandywine Valley, which leads me to the other place we visited. Um, the home of an author whose book I'm reviewing, David Culp. His book, A Year at Brandywine Cottage, is breathtaking. I've been, re I've been in the process of reviewing this book, and when I started reading it, I thought to myself, this is not one of those books that you just didn't read through from cover to cover. You have to live in each month of the book to understand his vision and his blessing of his garden. Wouldn't you agree, Peggy? Right. And he also has a, that's his most recent book. It was just published in April. And he also published another book called The Layered Garden. So he's in a farmhouse that was built in 1790. And he's on two acres of land that he's been there for something like 35 years, something like that called the Brandywine Cottage in Downington, Pennsylvania. And he's very well known in the gardening world. He's an author, lecturer, designer, and he writes for magazines. And he's known for developing hellebores and galanthus, which are snowdrops. Mm -hmm. His, I also owned Layer Garden. And <laughs> yesterday, I mean, truly, emotionally, I was on a piece of thread because to be in the layered garden, and I will be writing about this on my blog because I'm still mentally there. <laughs> to, to be in the layered garden, to, under, to hear him talk and understand how he did it, why he did it the way he did it, to know that he hand removed weeds on a slope, placed each hellebore where it was intended to be, to allow it to self-seed and create more abundance. Everywhere you went was a visual feast. Every time you turned around, you might have seen something one time, but if you stood in a different spot and looked at it from a different angle, it was something different. 
Yeah, we recently had a tree. Oh, we could have spent the day we could, there. We could have spent all day there, but we were. <laughs> oh, mm. the, the tree fell on his property the other day. And we almost didn't go um, because that's a lot of cleanup to do. But even in the midst of a tree falling, just beyond one crotch of a tree, there was a variegated Brugmansia, totally untouched by a huge tree that fell, waiting to bloom. The humongous ferns. Oh, you know, Peggy, that's, that's one that we need to go back and see it in its fall splendor. Mm-hmm because it will look nothing like it looked yesterday. Yeah, he does open it up to garden tours and he has a website called David L. Culp, C-U-L-P dot com. And of course his books are great. And he's, um, it's the, the land or the garden is actually structured to be a square within a square within a square. So the inner square is the vegetable garden. The outer squares are just or perennials, and um, but there's also a lot of tropicals, a lot of tropicals in containers, lots of containers, and you think, oh my God, he's got to get bring them all in in the mm-hmm. winter time. But and then he has lots of different kinds of trees, like a collection of magnolias, and he also has roosters and chickens and beehives, and he's created this beautiful meadow alongside the road. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very um, it's it's not um, trim and manicured. It's more like he said. It has grace. You know, the garden has grace. It's yeah. allowed to just be who it is, and it's allowed to be who it is in its various stages. And that's what he was saying. He said, you, you know, you don't always want to be forever twenty-one, and the garden's never going to be forever twenty-one either. It's still looking good when it's seventy or eighty or ninety. You know, yeah. or. Yeah. In in the garden's case, it would be like in spring, fall, winter, and whatever season it's in. Mm -hmm. And another beautiful thing about his garden is that it was a bird sanctuary. He doesn't use chemicals. Right. And when someone, you know, I I visit a lot of gardens, a lot of people are like, oh, that's just my compost area. (laughs) But when someone invites you into their compost area, because you know that they didn't hire someone to do that garden, that garden was installed with love, with mm-hmm. passion. And even in his compost area, you can see the common sense that it makes to do compost the way he does it, slow composting. Mm-hmm. Because why? You want to savor the serendipity found in the garden. I'm, I'm there. I'm still mentally there, Peggy. <laughs> um, I, I can finish my book with you now because... I get him now. I, I thought I I I thought I figured out who he was from the layered garden, but no. When you enter the layered garden, you can understand why anyone would want to spend a year at Brandywine Cottage. Right. And um, the other thing too is that it's also gonna look good in every season, including winter. But yeah. Um, yeah, so it would be interesting to go back during wintertime, but there are many different gardens to see in Pennsylvania. So we're definitely going to go back. So many things oh, to yeah. do there. Oh, yeah. And then we had the storm. There was torrential rain, the whole drive back. <laughs> <laughs> but the garden needed a drink. And so if you have weeds, today's your day to go out and get to, get to pulling. Yeah. 
<laughs> and true. you can, and it'll make it easier when you sit down next week and listen to some rather insightful virtual experiences. That's true. Well, yeah, I, we do have a lot of things going on this week. And in fact, uh, last week when we said that Homestead Gardenings, Homestead Gardens was going to have free delivery, you know, well, mm -hmm. I just got an email that Green Street Gardens is going to do free delivery. So they got in the bandwagon, but I don't see very specific information, like if you have to order so much or if it's certain zip codes and they're in Virginia and Maryland. Yeah. So if you're interested in Green Street Gardens and free delivery, call them up and find out what the deal is. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things happening on Thursday. It's a happening day with virtual presentations. There's mm -hmm. New Directions in the American Landscape has Sea to Landscape. And then there's the Smithsonian Gardens, of course, has it every Thursday, early garden photography, glass lantern slides. Garden Conservancy has uh, Gardens for Wellness of People and the Planet. Mm -hmm. And then the Phipps Conservatory has Fantasy Flower Bouquet. And then on Friday, the Master Gardeners in Northern Virginia have Managing Wildlife in the Urban Home Landscape. And on mm -hmm. Saturday, this is, this is North Carolina State Extension, which mm -hmm. is virtual, but it still applies to us. And it's about keep your vegetable garden growing in the fall. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I know. What else do you know? Well, one thing that I wanted to point out um, was Hillwood. They're offering, if you go to their website, they're offering what's called a follow along program and it's on Instagram. So virtual is reaching out. You can actually sit through a floral demonstration by Amy Wilbur. So she's sharing floral arranging tips. And if you missed any of their lectures, you can listen to their lecture highlights on YouTube. <laughs> That's just giving us more to do when we're sore from gardening all weekend. <laughs> we can embrace virtual uh, experiences online. Monticello, um, they're open again. You can buy tickets online. They offer social distancing. They're even offering clear bags because they do a bag check. Hmm. But they're offering clear bags for you to put your things in. And they really want you to bring and wear your mask. But if you forget yours, you can also buy one in their gift shop. Hmm. Um, so it just expands the, the options and encouraging people that even though we still need to practice social distancing um, or safe distancing, I like to call it, because we, we need to maintain social engagement. But safe distancing, there's still things to do. And if you get out in the garden, it can help calm your mind lift your spirits, and get you some exercise because I think we're all at that point where we need to start walking, right? Yeah, we certainly did walk uh, at Chanticleer. Yeah, that was, yeah I got uh, in 21,000 steps. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Mm -hmm. Very good uh, for mental health. Yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention too, if you are, um, consider yourself a small farmer or something in horticulture, if you're growing things to like give back to the community or whatever, the um there is a financial offering if you will uh if you look up farm aid the northeast relief fund they are you have to do an application either by phone or online but they're offering grants um up to five hundred dollars if you um have been financially um 
disenchanted, I'll say, uh, by this little period of uh, unintentional pausing that we're experiencing. So check out the Northeast Relief Fund uh, Farm Aid. Uh, it is a grant. It takes under 10 minutes to apply for it. Once again, either by phone or online. But once again, the garden, the agricultural community, they have been here for us. They continue to be here for us. If you can support your local, either CSA, farmer, flower farmer, market, let's give back because they're here for us. Great. Well, that's a really good one to know about. I hadn't heard about that one before. Yeah, yeah, popped up in my, in my feed this morning. We are trying to stay on top of uh, things that are offered in the Mid-Atlantic, the DMV. So if you have something that you'd like to share, send it to our email box. And what's our email again, Peggy? So our email is gardensinplantspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll put it in the show notes and I'll put some other uh, links to like a link to Chanticleer and to David's garden in the show notes too. And um, that's it for this week and tune in to listen to us next week. We're professional garden communicators and we're excited about sharing what's happening in the DC metro area, including Northern Virginia and Maryland and now Pennsylvania. <laughs> Visit our websites for more detailed information at pegplant.com and cottageinthecourt.com. We're also very active on social media. You can find me at Pegplant and Terry at Cottage in the Court. And both of us have links to this episode on our websites. Our podcast is available on nine platforms, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Overcast, and Stitcher. And feel free to drop us a line at gardensinplantspodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye and get in the garden. Thank you.